God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for Justin and Rebecca and their beautiful worship this morning. But we know that they're singing to you. And we right now open our hearts to you. Um, so even as I'm speaking, God, you're coming through, right? That I'm even worshiping you as I speak about you, to you, with you. You are here in this place. So we say this in your name as we're listening to this word, as we're diving in to a couple of scriptures today that you reveal something new to us. No matter how long we've been doing this, no matter if we're the pastor, no matter if we're pretty new to this faith, you reveal something new to us. Breathe new life in us through your scriptures this morning. In your name we pray, amen. amen. So, today I'm going to paint something for you. I thought I'd get a little more surprise reaction. If you guys don't know, I am actually not a painter. I have never taken an art class in my life. I have no skills. I've never really tried to get good at painting. I've never really attempted to do anything close to this, let alone do something in a public sphere in front of you, right? Now these are cheating because I didn't want to bring real paint because I would spill it but these are like watercolor markers, right? So I want you guys to look at this painting I just made right here in front of you and just tell me, I think it's pretty good. You should tell me how beautiful this is. <laughs> I mean, that is quality for the internet, right? Oh yeah, this is good. This is great. I've done this, I've done this drawing, do you like the clouds? The sky is beautiful. I didn't have enough colors to really do the oranges for like a sunset, right? Um, yeah, this is trash, right? <laughs> you guys know this is not a good painting. It's not very good. But I have literally drawn this a gazillion times. I have. I've done this in my high school notebooks. I did this thing in like every college class that I was a little bored in. I would draw these little mountains and a little sun because I thought it was like the best thing I could do. I just showed you my best. This is the best my artistic ability of thank you can give you. So you're like, why in the world are you talking about this? Especially when you're talking about worship. Why are you showing me a painting or a drawing that's honestly not great? Oh, whoa. I zoomed there. You guys aren't supposed to see the end. That's okay. The point being, right? The point being, why would I show you something like this? Why would I show you something in this idea? And obviously it's my hook, it's my visual aid to show you that when we talk about worship, there are two parts. There is the act of worship, right? The act of worship is what I've spoken about before, what Ben's spoken on many times. Like, we've talked about the act of worship, what it means to worship. There are great books written about how we worship, how we should worship as a church, how we should worship at home. That is not the focus for today. Today's focus is about the attitude of worship. So the scriptures we're going to look at are literally about, like, what does it mean to have this holy and living sacrifice, to live a lifestyle of worship and devotion. That's what we're focused on. And in, t and in terms of the picture, right, if you think about it, it makes sense. If I come in here every Sunday and I paint the same picture over and over, I'm not getting better. <laughs> I'm not improving. I'm not. It's still fun. 
It's still, it's nice, right? It's good. But the act of worship without the attitude of worship, coming in on a Sunday morning without the lifestyle of worship and devotion, is, it's not that great. And I know that there are a gazillion people out there that think it's okay. They're like, oh yeah, this is what we do. We go to church on Sundays. And I'm obviously like, I know a lot of you have a deep understanding of Jesus. A lot of you have a deep understanding of what it means to worship. So I speak sometimes to people, right, that may feel stuck as well. Because sometimes it's a season. And we're doing the same thing over and over again. We're thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. And don't get me wrong, like there's a reason God puts these things in our lives. So we do what we're supposed to do. The reason why is because when we get in those ruts, he's giving us a path out. He's saying, you should read your Bible. You should pray to me, always. Like these are things where he's saying, I know you're going to be in a rut. So that's what you go back to. You go back to the scripture, you go back to the word. So we're talking about that. Let's, how do we get out of this rut? How do we get into this lifestyle of worship and devotion. And I promise I'm not going to draw anything else for you today. So let's read Romans 12, 1 through 2. You're just going to read these with me together, and then we'll go and explain them a little bit. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this first scripture gives us four key truths that we're going to take away. You may have taken away more, that's okay. Give it all to Jesus. Be a living sacrifice means literally we are living this lifestyle of worship constantly, over and over. This is something we wake up and we do, we go to bed and we do, we do it in our day. You're like, you sound like a crazy person. I'll get to that. But the idea is if we can get that in our head, I'll make it seem a little bit more sane in a second. Because we're not faking it. That's point number two. This is not something where you're going to work every day and uh, trying to sneak in and God bless you. Like this isn't this idea where you're trying to fake this thing until you make it. This has to be genuine and we'll, we'll talk about that as well. We're going to let God transform. And so it says transform the way you think. And the easiest way for me to grasp this is it should transform our perspective. The way we see the world, right? So sometimes it gets stuck. Like how do I think? I don't know what part of me is thinking about just stop thinking about it that way. Instead, think, what are you looking, whose eyes are you looking at the world through? That's changing the way you think. And then we'll begin to see God's plan and vision for your life. So that's what we're taking from Romans. Don't worry, I'm not done with it. But let's go to Colossians 3 as well. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. So the second connection I want to bring this to is this lifestyle of worship and devotion should be in our everyday. So for me, everyday is work. For some of you, that may be school. For some of you, that may be at home with kids. For some of you, that may be doing something else that I am not aware of, right? Your lifestyle, your everyday, the monotony of everyday, 
That's what we're going to focus in on today. And I'll talk about this inheritance last, right? If you can focus in on this, your work life becomes better. It becomes fuller. It becomes greater. And for those of you that are in a life where you could be changing jobs, I just changed jobs. That job didn't happen without this lifestyle, without this devotion, without constantly looking, am I making the right choice? Am I taking the right step? That doesn't happen. My last job, there's no way that happens without God. The fact that I'm here in Baltimore, there's no way that happens without God. And if you start to dive into this and breathe it, you see him in that. So it's not just a, like looking back. You see him actively as it's happening. You're like, oh my gosh, that's God, that's God, that's God, that's God, that's God. And I'm not talking about faking. I'm not talking about saying like, I think that's God. Or like, yeah, that's probably God. It's literally knowing knowing that it's him. And so for any of you in that space of maybe transition or you've been in that space or you will, by the way, be in that space later on, I hope this gives you a little bit of light because that's what we're focusing on. And the two truths we talk, talk about from Colossians, work for God, not for human authority. That's going to change your life because God's inheritance is your reward. It does. And we'll talk a little bit about about what that reward looks like sometimes on this earth. So let's talk about Romans first. I'm going to break this down. Now that you've heard the whole picture, right? You've seen where I started, where I'm going. We're going to take each piece, and I'm just going to give you my takeaways because you may have something different, but I hope that this is helpful to you. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. So takeaway number one, give God your best because he took care of the rest, okay? That's the key. You are giving God your best every day, not because it's easy, not because it's fun, not because, like, when we come in on a Sunday and it is 95 degrees, I'm not happy about that. When we come in on a Sunday and it's 95 degrees, Abby is less happy about that. She hates the heat, right? When it's freezing, I, I'm not, like, but we are giving our best in that when I go to work and it's an absolutely stressful day and I have lawyers calling me, telling me junk that I don't want to hear, and I have adults not acting like adults, which by the way, there's a reason I work in education. Kids are so much easier to work with. <laughs> okay, when adults are not acting like adults and they're acting like children, I have counseled a 65-year-old psychologist and my 72-year-old TSP and had a mediation with them. That should not happen, right? You should not take a 30-year-old to take these old wise women. I shouldn't have said old, but they are wise women. And I had to be a place, I had to be a mediator in that moment. That wasn't fun, but I did it. Because what they see is they see this is someone who's stable. This is someone who's doing this. Now, it's not me. That's the secret, right? It's not me. It's us praying about it. It's talking to God. And suddenly, these things pop up where people are coming to you, and you're like, why are you coming to me? That's because you're giving God your best. Right. He's taking care of the rest. So I don't have anxiety at work. I, it sucks sometimes. It's terrible sometimes. But I've already given my best, and he's got the rest taken care of. When you're in those transitions, right? When I'm worried about the next job that I'll have, when I'm worried about what it will look like, when I'm worried about the new school I'm going to, he's going to take care of it. And so, by the way, this meme is great. It's just a big, you can't always see it. It's no matter the size of your opponent, always give it your all. And it's the big guy taking down the little guy. Just saying. Second part. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship you. A lot of red flags probably just went up to some of you. The kind he will find acceptable. May I just dug into you a little bit. If you struggle with worth, if you struggle with value, you're like, what do you mean? If I worship the wrong way, if I'm living life the wrong way, am I not acceptable? So let's, let's just take this and just make it a little bit more manageable so you're not beating yourself up. What he's saying is be authentic. Be authentic, right? To be a living and holy sacrifice, if you are doing that authentically, acceptable. If you are trying to fake it until you make it, not acceptable. I will say that. God does not want you to put on a show for him. And I understand you may be putting on a show for other people. He'll be patient with that. He'll be understanding if you're not ready to drop some of those barriers around others. But him, he needs to see your authentic self. He needs to see who you are. He needs to see what you're struggling with. In those moments of prayer, in those moments of worship, he needs to know, like, he doesn't want, he knows it all anyway. So why in the world would he be happy if you're trying to put on some facade, right? The, that's just, I don't know if you noticed, but I keep stock images in my PowerPoints every once in a while. This is literally from the last time I spoke, so. It's a great digger, and I sometimes can't find an image. So, the next section, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Do not copy. This is great. Everyone likes this one. Everyone misuses this one. People use this for the wrong way. They say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to make a moral stand in this moment because I don't want to copy the behavior and customs in this world. I think sometimes it's overused. Don't get me wrong, I think there are things to stand strong on. I think there are things you have to speak to. But he is speaking individually. He's talking about your personal living sacrifice, your holy sacrifice, your worship, your lifestyle of worship, your lifestyle of devotion. So when he's talking in this moment, when Paul's speaking, right, God's spoken truths, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you. He's saying, look, this is more than the act that you've seen other people do, right? This is about God transforming you from the inside and changing your perspective. So sometimes we get stuck on, we get stuck on the what we're standing strong in, right? We get stuck on this is where I stand, this is where I stand, this is what I believe. But what God's saying is I want to transform you from within, right? And those things are the result of, not, not the cause of. Does that make sense? We have to make sure we're not making that the cause of, but instead letting that be a result of our transformation. Because if we do, then we have the strength to stand for those things because God has transformed our perspective. I can say to someone, this is what I believe, this is what I think, and the reason I think that is because this is my whole perspective. This is the way I see things through God's eyes. And when you do that, someone doesn't come, they're like, oh, okay. He said that this is how God sees the world. If God's way is perfect, and I start to see how God's seeing the world through that person, I get that a little bit more. If we're trying to fight the fights through our perspective, it's not, it's not always as um, empathetic as we may have thought. 
But if we show it through God's eyes, it's, it's a lot more empathetic than maybe we give him credit. Um, that's a transport, if you were wondering. Let God transport, right? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so this ties into the last section. I'm going to say one thing. Every time when I was changing jobs, when I was trying to figure out, even this, this was said to us at an appointment, we were talking to someone and they were like, you know what, you've got to do what's best for you. That is the world, America right now, in a nutshell. I'm going to tell you right now, that is the prevailing thought in this country and a lot of this world. You got to do what's best for you. And the reason why is because people have been beat up for a long time. They've been beaten on, they've been beat up for a long time. So there's this, and this goes, I mean, we're talking about the history of the United States. If you want, I, I don't have time to get into the reason why. But essentially, in the United States, people have felt beat up. And since they feel beat up, they think the answer to that is you've got to do what's best for you so you can experience healing and you can experience freedom. And I get it, because when you've been beaten down to the ground, what is greater than someone saying, hey, I'm going to come pick you up. Hey, man, let's, you got to forget about that person. Forget about that thing. You've got to experience it. Let's, let's do what's best for you. So there's a lot of good in that statement. I want to be very clear. To do what's best for you, that's in some ways, some ways, a God idea. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be healed. But... I think sometimes we take it too far. And when that person was saying, you got to do what's best for you, when I was going through that job transition, my response, I've got to do what's good. I don't have to do what's good for me. I have to do what's good because that is good for me. And so if I'm following God, that's what's difficult. If I'm following God, I'm saying what you have said what you are doing, when I submit to you, when I live a lifestyle of worship and devotion, I am doing what's good. And I'm trusting that what's good is good for me. And that is a little bit of a shift from that cultural perspective. What's good is good for me. I'm not doing what's good for me. I'm not looking at what's good for me, what's good for me, what's... Now you're starting to see, right? Obviously, if you do that all the time, what's good for me, what's good for me, what's good for me, it's going to be a mess. Because if you instead say, God, what is good? What is good and pleasing and perfect? What is your will? And that is good and pleasing and perfect. If I start thinking like that, then I start to see what God's plan is. And it, it is good. Now, there are not too many Drake fans out here, but we're not talking about Drake's God's plan, okay? We're not talking about Drake in this moment. We're talking about God's actual plan, which is good. So if someone says that to you, and especially, I want to be very clear, because when you're in a place of hurting, that's, you may need a different perspective in that moment, and there's other stuff to help you with that, right? Good. God's plan is good. It is good. But if you're ready for a step of maturity, a step of faith, you may need to understand God's plan is good, and it's not only good for me, it's good for everyone around me. It's good for this whole world, right? It's good for every single thing that, that God's plan is for me. So I just wanted to stick in that. So this brings us back to that workplace, right? So if you have this understanding of what it means to be a living, like living this life of worship, living this life of devotion, again, we're not talking about there's time and place to like proclaim Jesus in the workplace. 
But I want to be very clear. This is not about subverting your workplace with Jesus. We should be clear. I have a man who works at my school. He's, uh, he's one of the kindest human beings you've ever met. And he knows what it means to represent Jesus in the workplace. I wish I knew how to do what he does. He talks about Jesus all the time. He says, thank you, God, like every second breath. He is one of the greatest and most interesting men you will ever meet in your life. I don't know how to do that. He does. It's a gift, right? If I tried to do what he did, it would come across the wrong way, okay? So that's not what we're talking. God naturally comes through you the way he is supposed to. If we're listening to his ideas and his plan, he'll know. And for me, it's been specific conversations. It's been one-on-one -on -one with a person. It's, it's been one-on-one -on -one with a student in a time of crisis. It's been these things that have been different. That's who he has designed me to be in my workplace. And I think it's come through, right? It's also been the reason why I'm mediating between that psychologist and that TSP. So these are the things where we have to also understand this isn't a one way to do things. I should rephrase. It is the one way to do things, but it's not the, the one way to do things. That's the best way to put it, right? Like it's not a singular path, but it is the path we must take. And it's different for each one of us what that looks like. So when he says work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people, that is the great uniter. If we are all working for God, no matter what we are doing, no matter what steps we're taking, right? That is us uniting as a church. It's us uniting as a people. So I just wanted to kind of finish on that. If you're working for God, he's the boss. And then, if he's the boss, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So all of this stuff we've talked about, essentially saying, don't do just what's good for you. Do what is good. Do what is in God's plan. I'm not talking about Batman's greater good. Any Dark Knight fans out there. We're talking about what's in God's plan, which is good. And I'm working in a way that is glorified to God, and I'm working for God. And I'm doing this in this lifestyle of worship and devotion. If you do that, when you come in here on a Sunday, your painting looks a lot better than this. Because at the end of the day, what he's doing is he's giving you new paints. He's giving you new brushes. He's giving you new, a new easel to work on. He's giving you all of these resources around you. And he's training you and he's teaching you in these skills. He's teaching you how to live this life of worship and devotion. He's showing you, if you're reading your Bible, he's showing you through his word what it means to follow him. He's showing you this beautiful masterpiece that you are. Right? That was the whole theme of you, to be handcrafted, be this masterpiece. He's showing you that. So when you come in on a Sunday morning, with all of that, you create something so much more beautiful. If, so this is where if I were a great artist, I'd flip the page, right? I'd flip the page and be like, ah, you'd be like, oh, it's so beautiful. I'm not. I really can't do that. So, but that's what he shows you. He shows you something so much greater. So when we're in the act of worship, it is that much more beautiful. And it's more beautiful for us 
but it's also more beautiful for all of those surrounding us in this space, but also out of this space. So sometimes we get focused on the act of worship. What I'm imploring you to do today is if you really want to see the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we want a glimpse of what heaven is like, of what an eternal perspective is like, this is how we do it. We start by changing our attitude of worship. It isn't a Sunday morning thing. It's an all-day, everyday thing. And it's, it really has very little to do with singing and do it. That's, that's a small piece of this big, big picture. Because then when we get to the act of worship, when we're face-to-face with God, is that much more full? Is that much more beautiful? And again, I want you to take this away. I think you get to see the masterpiece that you are in God's eyes. And if you can see the masterpiece that you are, like, that's how you become this friend I have at work. It really is. You become the person who proclaims Jesus, but it's authentic. It's yourself. It becomes someone who is, who is, who is relied on in work, who's, who's looked to at work. And some of you find yourselves in that position. You do. You find yourselves with friends or, or other people in your vocation, and they look to you for guidance and all these things, and that's why. I think because a lot of people in this room understand what it means to have an attitude of lifelong worship and devotion. So, final takeaway, when you work for God, your reward is eternal. That is a Forever 21 reward card, which is the closest image I could get and leave you with. So I promise I won't leave you with that. Instead, I'll leave you with prayer. Let's pray. Uh, God, I thank you for the words that you gave me this morning. Uh, I thank you for the individuals in this room, this church, this group of believers that is desiring to know you more, that is desiring to reflect on you more, that is desiring to want to grow, to want to take a step towards you, not for some individual glory, not for some revelation, but just to get to know you more because we know that it is good. We know that your plan is good. We may not always understand it. We may not always see it, but we trust in you right now and we know that you are good. And as we do that, God, we ask that you reveal parts of your plan to us. We ask this in faith. We say we stand here and we just ask for a revelation. A revelation in my vocation, a revelation in my studies, a revelation in whatever I am doing that is taking a lot of time, that is not always exciting. I ask for a revelation that you are the one I am working for, that you are the one that I am looking to, that you are the one that I love and I offer up my work to as a living and holy sacrifice of worship. In your name we pray, all together we say, amen. That's all I got for you, unless you want me to paint more. So thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Is that, do we have anything else coming? Okay, I will, I'll, I'm sorry. I'll say, I'll, I'll bless you guys all. Let's uh, bow our heads up, I'll just bless you. God, I just ask that you go with everyone here, if they're going on vacation, if they're sticking around, or if they're doing what they need. I I just pray right now, you go with them. May they go in peace. May they go with your infinite understanding of what's going on on the road, or what's going on around them. 
Uh, God, just be with them during this time of vacation for some, this time of work for others, this time of reflection for others. In your name we pray, God, be with them. Amen. Amen. Amen.